Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Expressions Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This week, we talk with Patrick Warpath, a filmmaker and photographer. So, so we'll just keep shoveling. Oh! Good day, sir. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. For being here. Been waiting to have you on for a long time. We talked when you were in our store a while ago in my store, Henry's. Uh, yes. I just your passion and your excitement and your energy. Uh, I knew you'd be a great person to talk to. So thank you so much for saying yes and for being a yeah. part of our show tonight. Yeah, of course. It's honestly, it's a huge pleasure. Every time we, um, every time we talk, it's always really insightful. I always learn a lot. I hope I can bring the same values. So I was, I was really honored when you mentioned um, that you asked me to come on the podcast. So thank you both for having me again. Oh, not a problem oh, that's at all. Awesome. Well, always excited to have another photographer uh, on the show and a photographer filmmaker. I'm I'm not a filmmaker myself, but always excited to talk talk cameras and and stuff. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that. Yeah. We have to wean out the photographers because that's the majority <laughs> of the people we know, right? So on a show right. like this, we try to talk to creators of all kinds. Uh, right. And one of our hosts, Ryan, isn't a photographer. So we try and take it easy on him sometimes and not have yeah. okay. photographer after photographer after photographer. But the filmmaking is an interesting side of things. And I'm not as familiar with filmmaking as a, as a whole. I right. love the medium and I love the creativity that you can bring to it. Um, I just don't think of myself as that. That super creator that that comes up with these great ideas. I made a movie once though. Mark was in it. It was. It was oh, kind yeah. of I, I didn't know until we got there. Actually, I agreed to do it, and then found out I was like the main guy that was like the <laughs> and standing. And, yeah. Uh, my, That's my how it goes. No, exactly. My my favorite though was uh, I mean, without giving away the plot of the the movie. I ended up with like, I don't know, what what did I have on me? Four backpacks and I'm carrying three tripods and I got cameras hang and I'm running, I'm literally running as fast as I can. And uh, oh, so the, the camera is in a building and I'm running and I'm calling my niece and I run past a window and then past a window and around a corner and in the door of the building. So the camera pans with me as I run. And right. then so after the shot, like I'm done, I'm dead. I'm like... <laughs> Carrying sixty pounds and of carrying all this gear, and I was—I swear to you, Patrick—I'm running full tilt. Like I am going for it. I'm like, he I'm like it. pinball Clemens, just <laughs> gone. They play it back, and I look at Gabriel, and I go, "You slowed that down." He goes, "No, dude, that's how fast you run." I go, "No, no, I was running faster." He goes, <laughs> Wait, but how many how many takes did you have to do for that though? Oh, I could only do one. I'm I'm old and out of shape. That's it. <laughs> It was a very gorilla kind of movie, and, and I don't want to make yeah. it sound any any more impressive than it than it was. We, uh, it was a, a horror movie filmed in Camp Thirty in Bowmanville. And, oh, uh, I've been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Just the experience yeah, of doing it and it all of day. us hanging out. It's just such a fun thing, and I'm sure that's part of the attraction that you have to making movies is the camaraderie you have with your your co-hosts and your uh, I say co-hosts, your actors and your yeah. your staff and your crew that you have working with you. Uh, we're going to get into that a lot. Before we do yeah. that, though, I do want to say hello to Mark and just say welcome. It's been a week since I've seen you. A week, whole and, week, uh, I, I go through Mark withdrawal, so I know yeah. that. Uh, man, we talk every day. We text every it's day. True. So <laughs> you can't miss me all that much. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that because there's been some crazy things that have gone on, and I'm going to bring yeah. it up right away at the beginning of our conversation. Um, oh, this no. is recorded the day after the the Oscar awards. And, and I have to talk about it because it impacted me. It really impacted me. And mental health is something that our show is very, very uh, strong on. And with uh, your videos, Patrick, I was looking through your YouTube channel. Um, you've got things like dance saved your life, finding yourself, um, stop burning out passion over profit. And then your five ways to overcome perfectionism and imposter syndrome, which is something that Mark and I have talked about a lot, uh, yeah. imposter syndrome specifically. But in light of the situation that happened with Will Smith last night on the show, uh, right. being as it's obviously a mental health thing going on for him right now. His wife has right. alopecia. Uh, we had Anthony Orsatti on our show. He has alopecia, alopecia and he's bald because of it. And it's a real problem and people go through yeah. a lot of mental health over it. So for somebody like a Will Smith, who I looked at as the perfect guy, right? you know, like Will's always been there my whole life. Uh, from Fresh Prince on, he's been that guy yeah. that you look at as the cool guy who can handle himself in any situation. Um, and there he is standing up and smacking a guy on the most televised show possible. Right. Um, it hit me. It hit me like, holy crap. Everybody's going 
do some crazy stuff right now. Yeah. Um, now I know filmmaking is a is a medium that we use to sh bear our soul and to, um, you know, to to show people worse situations, better situations, things to learn from, uh, all these different things. How do you see filmmaking as that outlet, that source? Because you've obviously used it to help right. yourself. Yeah. So maybe you can give us some enlightenment on on that for, from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I feel like growing up art forms have always been a huge part of my life in terms of expressing the way that I feel, um, things that I go through. I I don't like to resort to unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so for me, creation is always been one of those things. So it started with dance. Dance was a really big um, self-expressive outlet. And then when it came to filmmaking, it became one of those things where you're capturing the world, but then you're also able to create a world and show people kind of your perspective on, on life. Right. Like, I think everybody has a certain way that they see the world. And so it's hard to catch on somebody else's perspective sometimes. But when you can shape a story in a way that kind of portrays your perspective throughout the whole um, the whole piece, it kind of it kind of helps to show where you are mentally. And it kind of shares that world, it immerses people into that world and helps them understand. So being able to use filmmaking as a tool to to help people relate better, I feel like has been a huge tool for me to not only express the way I feel, but also try to share ways that other people may feel and try to try to help other people cope with it as well. Is that how you see your filmmaking as as an opportunity to help other people as well? Yeah, I think I think with everything, like when whenever I try to in, invest myself into something, I want to make sure that I can help other people, not just myself. I want to make sure that I'm fulfilled, but I think I I gain fulfillment out of being able to help other people because I feel like if it's just for yourself, like there's there's value there, but how much value can there really be unless you're making an impact on the audience or on, on like the people that are surrounding you? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, anything. It, it, I always say it's the wake that we leave. You know, you have a boat yeah. that drives down the water and you leave this wake. As yeah. humans, we leave a wake as well. And is that wake going to be so strong that you bowl people over? Right, uh, going through a slow zone, or is that way going to be nice and and people are going to remember you fondly? And you know, like, what do you leave behind? So, right. as a filmmaker, I mean, everything you create is there for people to uh, to hit people. And right. What's your favorite thing to film? Like, what uh, what topic really gets you excited? Into the craft, and even now, that's something that really like hits uh hits a soft spot for me because just being able to see the level of freedom that people get to go through and like the level of happiness and awe and wonderment that people have when they're in those videos. It's something that I aspire to not only feel, but make others feel as well. But now I'm, I'm now I'm more so in the space where I've been doing a lot more brand work. The travel hasn't been as big in the last two years. And so a big way that I've pivoted is, um, again, growing up doing dance, I played sports as well. I'm realizing that I really enjoy filming movement because again, there's like, there's like a freedom in movement and there's like, as humans, we have the ability to to move. And so I think there's a lot of beauty in things that we don't usually give a lot of uh, emphasis to. And so mm -hmm. things like dance, things like even simple movements like writing or typing, I like being able to focus on those things and bringing, um, what is it called? Bring emphasis and just like being able to, to what's that word? Um, so I'm trying to find the word, I'm drawing a blank. To just appreciate it, to appreciate it, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that um, because there's when, when we look around, I, I remember as I'm learning uh, photography um, and Brian was actually a, a great inspiration for me. Uh, he taught me a lot. I did a lot of his day trips and things with other instructors. And I remember talking to one of the other instructors who was helping a, a client of his with her camera. And and I guess she had stepped out of the room and he was playing with her camera a little bit. And he took a couple of pictures with it and and in her in her kitchen and. Yeah showing her the pictures. Okay. So this is an example of this, that we were just talking about it, whether it was a shallow depth of field or whatever it was. And she looked, she goes, Oh my God, what is that? And he goes, Oh, that's the, the lid of your garbage can. And she goes, Oh my God. So she, she looked and all of a sudden this garbage can was a beautiful thing in the right. picture. And it's funny how we overlook things that are beautiful every day because we're we're maybe we're looking for that bigger picture or we're not looking at it in the right light or the right angle and right. I, I that where you're talking about showcasing 
that particular item, uh, that thing that can inspire somebody. That's awesome um, to yeah. hear. And I, and I like that you did uh, did the dance. So you dance yourself? Yeah. So okay. I grew up break dancing. I've been doing it for okay. kind of just over ten years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, I mean, oh, I was I was a kid when the I guess was it the '80s when the original break dancing came out? You know the. <laughs> They're making the, the mats out of big cardboard. Popping and locking. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And it was something I could never do. I mean, it was always a chunky kid and always out of shape, but uh, it was uh, something I always admired, like people that could move that way and, and uh, the, athletic, the athleticism in there. And even as an adult, I appreciate dance and I, I appreciate the, the movement and the form of it. Um, right. Watching all the dance shows, you know, like the Dancing with the Stars. And uh, so you think yeah. you can dance. They're always, they're always fun to watch. Uh, I don't want to call them like, to see. Yeah. What people can do with their bodies is unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Those, right. those are the control. Yeah. Those are the sports I get into. Right. It's that's the, I love that sort of thing. Watching it in, yeah. in awe. And I think largely because I can't. I can't do. I, I don't say I can't. I can dance, but not like that. You can move. Right. You got the <laughs> rhythm. I can, I can do that. I don't like it, but I can do the foxtrot and I can do the merengue. Okay. I can do stuff like oh, that. Cool. My wife. My wife and I actually took. Um, uh, ballroom dancing classes before we got married. Love that. Um, so I've wanted to was, do that too. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. But I, I appreciate the form of dancing, and I appreciate all of that. So when you have yeah. when you have somebody that's showcasing it, but it's interesting that you said you know something like typing, and right. to think about what your hand is doing that that motion. That's incredible. Uh, to right to. Think with that is typing so we're, we're gonna have to make sure we post uh patrick's youtube page down below so people can go see it wow. and so i, I can go see it because i want to okay. go see it as well um now brian had talked about the the subjects that you had touched on when when you set out to make a film do you sort of have an idea of a subject and then it morphs into this sort of uh because some of the a lot of them are, are mental health themes does it morph right. into that or do you start going okay i want to attach myself to this theme and this is what i'm right. going to make and here's how i make it how does that how does that play out for you yeah so usually when it comes to creating these types of videos i don't go in with the idea that oh like i want to create this video i think a large a large part of what i'm doing when i'm creating this video is i'm, I'm trying to document my lived experience as well and so if I'm going through something, chances are other people are going through things too. And so what I try to do is find ways around the things that I'm dealing with. And I try to put them into practice, like throughout different, just, I try different approaches to try to get over it. And whatever seems to work, um, I try to share it because again, if, if I'm going through something, I think other people are probably going through too. So if I can bring any value in helping those people cope with what they're dealing with as well, I want to be able to take that opportunity. So I use video as a, as an outlet to try to help out with that as well. When you say dance saved your life, finding yourself, right? how did that theme come up? And yeah, maybe you can walk us through that, that whole process of turning that into a video. Yeah. So um, that video was not originally going to be entitled, um, Dance saved my life. I actually was not sure what to title that video, but doing that video made me think back on the importance of dance in my life and how it's it brought me to where I am right now. Um, growing up doing dance, it wasn't something that it was it wasn't something that my friends ever did. It was one of those things that my friends had their own um, hobbies, they had their own things that they liked to do, and I just never really related to it. It didn't seem for me like something that would bring me down a path that I wanted to go down. So. It kind of separated me kind of it, yeah it separated me from that group and it, it showed me a really different perspective on on how how to really approach my life because for example when when hip-hop was first kind of growing and gaining traction in new york it was a way for a lot of youth to get out of like gang stuff for example i was never in gang stuff which is pretty fortunate but it just allowed me to not kind of not kind of go into habits of like smoking or doing drugs or anything like that and it was it was an artistic way to cope with like you're going through puberty there's a lot of things that are going through your mind and so as a way to express myself as a way to like kind of put myself into something dance was always there for me and it, it kept me out of trouble too so yeah super important that is having, having an outlet when so i lived you, in vermont it was it was very much either you you were getting into trouble because you're right. bored have nothing to do yeah. or you find something like 
dance or in Vermont shooting guns and (laughs) all kinds of other things that, that people did there. But yeah, as you're, as a younger person, you have to find things to keep yourself busy uh, and, and, and stimulated or else you fall into really bad habits. That could really be a problem. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. I knew you wanted to say something there. Yeah, no, I was just because you, you mentioned there, you know, not getting into gangs and things like that. So was was that, um, I'm not sure which city you grew up in, but was that a pro, like a, a big part of the city life? And is that how the breakdancing happened? Like instead of getting in a gang, you sort of joined a dance crew? Is that, am I right Oh, there, definitely or? not. Definitely not. Um, I was lucky. I live in a pretty safe area. I live in Markham. Um, no, no gang stuff really happening there. But during the time that I was growing up, there were people that were just trying to do things that were a little less like good like just just not not as good and it was just certain crowds of people that i just didn't want to spend too much time around um i didn't join a dance crew so to speak but i i met people and i kind of had a friend who did dance one friend who was kind of i was in grade nine he was in grade 12 and he kind of took me to a bunch of practices i met people and started spending more time there um but yeah that did keep me out of trouble that kept me from kind of engaging in other things that probably wouldn't have helped me develop like as healthy habits so it's it's something that I, I definitely thank dance for the opportunity to like be where I am. Otherwise, I'm not too sure where I would be because I think as an outlet, like I can I can work out all I want. Like doing a physical activity is one thing, but I think the expressive outlet, the the artistic kind of um, nature to dance makes a big difference. Because I'll be I'll be working out and I might not be feeling good. I might have some negative emotions. At the end of the workout, I'll still have some negative emotions. But dance has always been that one thing for me that no matter what I'm going through, maybe I got into a fight with a significant other. Um, at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm done my practice, I I feel released. Like I feel I feel good. I'll go back and I'll reevaluate everything, and like I'll I'll be definitely I'll definitely be a lot more like easy to talk to after. Okay. Yeah. That's that's good. I'm glad you have that outlet uh, to to ground yourself to bring you back into it because so many people don't have that. Um, and is is that um, like I, looking at you know how dance dance saved my life. Is that uh, like it's it's only a nine minute video for for viewers and listeners? So um, I'm going to watch it after the show, uh, but I'd encourage you to go ahead and watch it because I'm I'm curious to see. But can you give us sort of a a quick Cole's notes version of a video like that? Right. I'm I'm not going to lie. I think that video was done a while ago, so I don't quite remember um, the contents <laughs> of that video. <laughs> okay. No That's worries. Fair. That's the thing about creating. I mean, we're always coming up with something new. We're always trying to give us, give ourselves something to be inspired by. Right. And uh, you know, that inspiration ebbs and flows so quickly. One minute we're, we're knees deep in this project that we're so passionate about. And then like six months later, it's like, what, what was that again? (laughs) You know, we're, our our brain shifts so strongly towards something else. Um, Now I I feel the same way when I play the drums as you do with dancing. You know, like I could have yeah. all the stress in the world and all these stress relieving techniques that I that I can come up with in life. But I sit behind a drum set for a couple hours and nothing, nothing remains. I'm, I'm spent. Right. I'm tired. I feel great. Um, of course, I haven't been able to do that in a couple of decades. But <laughs> um, alternatively, I've, I've turned to photography for that, that right. stress relief. Right. Um, and it's really helped out. And if it's not for the photography, it's for the people I know through photography, like Mark and my friends yeah. that I can talk to every day and, and vent yeah. and, and get the stress out. Um, now, in the questions that we sent out, uh, I really got a, a strong vibe that your family is extremely important. And they've been a big help to you through this as well. Um, maybe you can give us an idea of how your family has been there for you and how the support system has helped you uh, achieve your goals. Right. So interestingly enough, they haven't always supported what I do. Um, early on with the dance stuff, they didn't they didn't support me doing that because just I think the idea of breakdancing, you kind of have this connotation that it might not be it might be a little like ghetto, so to speak. So they always had that misconception. And I always had to tell them, like, no, like, it's it's great. Like the people there are great. Like the the environment is great. Like everything was great. Um, when it came down to doing videos and photos, they didn't originally think that it was going to be a career because I graduated York University for kinesiology. So they always thought that I was going to follow more of like a, a physiotherapy or chiropractic type of career lifestyle. Um, but I picked up a camera right after I graduated. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do something artistic. And they let me kind of do that for a little bit, but they never, they never stopped reminding me to try to get a real job. 
And it hasn't been until recently, maybe the last couple of years, like the last maybe two years or so, that they started to really like support me a lot more. Like here and there, when I said that I was going to go buy gear, I'll have my dad offer to be like, hey, like, do you want me to, to give you money for that? And like small things like that kind of show that they're starting to support me. They're starting to see what's up. And then and then when I go for, for jobs now, when I go for projects, they'll ask me pretty often. They'll be like, oh, like, do you have another project? And they'll like try to ask me and get a little more, get a little more information about it just to show that they're interested. Um, they'll even talk to my aunts and uncles about it, which is funny because I'm not really there a lot. So when I show up to an actual event and they start asking me questions about that, they'll tell me that they've been watching my Instagram and my YouTube. And like, this is stuff that I wasn't, I wasn't even like, I didn't know was happening. But when they started doing that, that was, that was a really nice boost of confidence to know that my family is starting to, to support me in that. And to go from somewhere where they were like traditional and didn't see art as a career to a place where they're starting to see this as a viable kind of career path for me. That made me feel like I was heading in the right direction and like making making my family proud is always something that I wanted to do. So it was definitely affirming for me. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instagram and YouTube. I mean, you kind of mentioned how they go to your Instagram. I, that's probably where I see you post more is on Instagram. Um, what is your take on social media? What is your take on the importance of social media for a creator? Right. I think there are, there's a lot of controversy around that i feel like in the industry I feel like a lot of people say that social media is a place where they can put their work share their work network i i agree with all these things i think it's great for networking i think as far as the portfolio goes it's effective up to a certain point because i think just like any other app or any other platform at some point it's going to get old people are going to switch over and it's kind of dangerous if you put all your work just on social media if that app kind of shuts down then where do you have to show for the rest of your work, right? So I think having a portfolio somewhere else is really important, but social media is great when it comes to networking and just getting to know other people in the industry, getting inspired. Um, that's yeah. something that I've been trying to do more with social media is to keep my social media streamlined with the things that inspire me so that I'm not getting lost in things that are gonna take me away from like where my mind is at. Cause the last thing we need is more distraction, right? Like with, with internet and with social media being so big nowadays, TikTok, I get stuck on TikTok so, so easily but it's, it's just distraction. So in terms of being a creator and using social media, I think, I think it's useful if you use it in the right ways, but I think it can be pretty dangerous too. Yeah. It's funny. You know, every time, as you're talking, all these other past shows that we've done are coming to mind. Um, yeah. Like we just talked to um, Lori about uh, archiving our data and how you can put all your stuff on social media, but then the platform can change just like you said, right. you know, like, Boom, gone. Then you got to start like Google Plus. I was so yeah. invested in Google Plus, and then all of a right. sudden that just disappears, and we got to start all over. And oh. you know, so for sure yeah. that's a problem. You know, we we talked yeah. about last week. We talked about a lot of platforms that we started out using. Right. Um, I, I, I MySpace page, but I mean MySpace was the sort of yeah. the original social media, and right. it's it's now. Um, I, I see as a lot of companies merge together, like obviously Facebook owns, uh, like Meta is Facebook right. and it's Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. And do they own another one? Is there a third one in there? LinkedIn, uh, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't but know. Uh, like at work, we use a version of uh, Facebook called uh, Workplace. And it's, oh. it's, it's Facebook for work, which completely floored me when I started. I'm only six weeks with the company. So right. um, that kind of that for me that we have a platform a facebook for work that's uh it doesn't link to anything on facebook itself it's all right. it's all self-contained but it's interesting that they use the same platform with the same message app and the same yeah. you know communities and whatever so that's hmm. kind of cool um, that's really interesting yeah, it, it yeah. is interesting to say i mean because if social media does go away like what if it changes to something else where where is your where is your right. body of work Right. Um, as a photographer, I like I, I have a Flickr page, but right. again, I mean, who who goes to a Flickr page other than another photographer? So it's not right. like not like if my work goes anywhere. I mean, really, where it's archived the most is on my mother's living room wall. She's my biggest fan. Yeah. So love that. <laughs> like, unfortunately, the mother's living room wall doesn't get you work. <laughs> <It doesn't, laughs> you don't you don't have people seeing your work there. And be like, hey, I gotta hire that guy. <laughs> I don't work as a photographer. I, I work, you know. <laughs> yeah right. but when she has guests well, over, that, you'll get some photo work yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah that actually leads me to my next question though like as a working filmmaker how do you right. find work how do you how do you get jobs 
Yeah, so funny enough, a lot of it comes from Instagram. A lot of a lot of my clients will message me either through Instagram or they'll email me. But a lot of times they'll say, hey, like I saw your work on Instagram and I really like it. They'll either be on my page or they'll find it through funny enough hashtags. I didn't think hashtags actually worked, but I've had enough people tell me that they found my work through hashtags too. Um, aside from Instagram, I, it's a lot of word of mouth. I feel like word of mouth is huge. And so that's another aspect of like why social media is important because you have the networking aspect. And so the more people you meet, the more people they know, the more your work can kind of spread through like the quote unquote exposure. But um, yeah, it brought me more work than I've expected and I'm grateful for it. But you you always have to think at the back of your mind, when when is that well going to run dry? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with working for yourself is you just never know where the next next job is going to come from or yeah. if the next job is going to come. And that's daunting for sure. Um, has right. family supported you in that regard? Like, because uh, as a budding filmmaker, or photographer, or anything like that, if that's your sole income, it's nice to know that at least know that you have support that somebody can, you know, give you some backup if, if worse comes to worse, right? Right, right. I feel like as far as this space is concerned, I try to be specific with the type of work that I do. And I feel like mixing work with family and stuff because I'm like not really around much either. I don't, I almost don't feel right kind of doing that work with them. Um, they have been supportive though. They've, they've tried to message me and ask about like, if I'm able to do certain projects because my, uh, my dad's side of the family, well, my, my mom's side of the family, my cousin is an artist. So he'll do a lot of murals. He'll do paintings and stuff like that. He is one of the people that have really inspired me to, to follow my passion as a career. Um, nice. My dad's out of the family. One of my cousins is an artist and she sings. And so she's talked to me about um, potentially helping her get coverage of like her events and stuff before too. It just so happened that I also wasn't available during those times. So it was a little difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How has uh, COVID affected your work? I mean, before right. COVID? You yeah. say you've only really been doing it for two and a half years or so. I mean, you pretty much started being a, a full-time creator yeah. right before COVID hit. So how did that change how you do business? Yeah, COVID has been really interesting on the business because I feel like I'm still really early into it. And so I've had a lot of time to learn through it. Um, when COVID first hit, I feel like a lot of people took a break. I feel like a lot of people stepped back. Um, I tried my best to just keep going. I tried my best to kind of keep working, try to keep improving my work so that when COVID ended, my work would be at a higher place. Uh, I ended up taking masterclass, which was super, super helpful too. It's It's been really big at like helping me network with more filmmakers around the world, but also helping me to level up my work. Um, at some point, the business was actually better because brands were still able to create marketing content. There was nothing in like against the regulations for that. So I was still getting booked with clients. And then there was another point in COVID where I stopped taking clients as much and I just took the time to explore more to see where I was going because burnout was a real thing. So seeing everybody else relax and me continue to try to keep going, um, it it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of tiring and it's kind of discouraging, especially when the world isn't moving as fast. And so you're putting all this work in and you're wondering like where is that energy going? So I tried to take a step back and start doing more passion projects. So I tried reaching out to other brands that I would want to kind of do work with. And that kind of put a stop to the income, which was daunting as well. So it was just trying to find like a balance in between. But coming out of COVID, I think I'm at a point where because I've done the exploration, I'm in a better place to know how to tackle the business side. But I also am a lot happier with how my work looks as an artist too. So it's it's definitely benefited me in a lot of ways. Good for you. Way to yeah, capitalize on a negative and turn it into a positive. I mean, Absolutely. It's, uh, it's the hardest thing. And, and I think yeah. uh, for us as well, I mean, we took this COVID uh, soul-crushing time. I mean, we spent about yeah. a year in it before I finally said we have to do something. And that's yeah. when we started the right. podcast. But uh, the podcast has certainly been a, a soul saver. and a, a, Yeah. It's given us me I, I can only speak for myself i can't speak for mark or the others right but it's given me definitely a sense of purpose and pride i'm very yeah. proud of being able to do something like this and talk to people like yourself because it, people need to hear some things like this and if people don't need to hear it i need to hear it um right and that. that's the whole uh my hashtag i've talked about it many times is i shoot for me you know that's i shoot for me it's kind of every yeah. photo everything i post it has a, i shoot for me on there 
Um, and that's what you're talking about in, in your burnout being a real thing and your video, Stop Burnout, Passion Over Profit. I think that's yeah. a, a very important point to talk about, sticking to your passions, because when you enjoy something, if you don't make all the money in the world, at least you're still enjoying it. Whereas right. if you have to take all these jobs that you're just doing for profit, um, that can kill the soul. So what was yeah. it that, uh, that made you come to that reality and, and made you make a video on it? Right. I, I, as a creator, I've burnt out many times. Like, I feel like I hit, I hit patches of like weeks where I was just kind of hustling and I was doing a bunch of client work and it was great because like stereotypically, if you think about what most people think about success is being able to make like a certain amount of money. And so I was like, how can I make more? How can I make more? Because as an artist, I kind of don't want to, I don't want to be a starving artist. Like that was the last thing I wanted to be. And so I was trying to do everything I could to, to make like a respectable income and weeks go by and I'll, I'll feel burnt out and I wouldn't even know that it's burnout. I just have no energy. I don't feel motivated. I don't want to do anything. And I feel like as an artist, it's a, it's a pretty dangerous space to be in. So that kind of made me look at why, because this is something I'm supposed to be passionate about doing. So if I'm passionate about this, why am I feeling unmotivated to do it? And I kind of had to, I had, I had to experiment here and there, you know, I had to, I had to try different approaches. Um, and I just realized that it wasn't about the fact that I was doing filmmaking. It was more so like my approach at filmmaking and like what my what my mentality was when I was doing it because if I was doing it for money if I was doing it for income I actually stressed out more and it prevented me from making a better income and then my relationships that I was making they weren't as they weren't as deep and they weren't as meaningful so you're just missing out on a lot of the things that make life beautiful when you're focusing on the wrong things and that ultimately was something that made me hit burnout many times and so that's that really made me step back I had to actually like leave the country to be like, yo, the only way I'm going to stop like putting pressure on myself to take clients is if I'm not around them. So I had to leave the country and just yeah. have a little vacation. Yeah. Well, that's, wow. that's great that you were able to step back from it. And I completely understand. I do um, photography scavenger hunts. It's sort of like my creative outlet. And yeah. I, I'm like, Brian, I shoot for me now. I mean, I've got a wedding uh, coming up in July um, nice. that I'm shooting. It's just, it's a small wedding. So it's not, uh, not anything uh, huge and involved, but um, I, in my previous career, um, uh, before I, I, retired in, in November and then went back to work in, in February, because uh, okay. I got being retired. But, uh, in my previous career, I got to a point where I had, I had props, I had ideas, I had to create the images, the deadline was coming up and right. I looked, I, my wife's like, okay, well let's, and I'm like, no, I, I, I don't, I don't have it in me. And she's looking at me like, you're, you're not okay. Are you? No, I'm not. And right. Brian, had, Brian and I have been doing this for that very reason for mental health. But um, the soul was just sucked right out of me so bad. Um, yeah. And so I retired. And then um, in the next round, I, it, they give you 10 words to make images for. And the next round, I got all 10 images instead of, I think I shot wow. three in the first one. So it, it like not the, not the first round, but it was the round that I just had no gumption. Like I said, I had gone out and actually bought props. I had things to create images with. I had right. ideas, just no gumption to do it. So I, yeah. I completely get where you're coming from. And sometimes you need to step out of that box. Um, I do have to ask though, where did you go? Uh, I went to Miami. I was there for three and a half months. The girl oh. I was dating at the yeah, yeah, the girl I was dating at the time was living there, so I was living with her, and it was it was very helpful to kind of focus more on personal life instead of the the career life. And I was able to connect with some people over there, like other other photographers and filmmakers there too. So I I felt like I was still doing something productive for the career without actually kind of like working when I because like, I felt like I had to. Oh, and that's great. Like I mean, Miami has a, a definite heartbeat like it's got a different heartbeat than right. cities. so i've been yeah. there a couple of times and uh yeah it's 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 an interesting place for sure with so many wonderful places to go and visit and see so yeah. i can see how you can easily and especially when there's no snow because you know right. yeah there's last week and another 35 coming this week so another 35 is coming I uh, know uh, here in Thunder Bay, yeah. Oh, okay. And the next three days are saying thirty. We don't have to worry about that here, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, okay. I got scared. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We'll get something, but not that bad. I fixed the snowblower right. yesterday. I'm good, but. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But it's uh, I can see how you can step out of that, 
and the travel, like I, you, you had talked about travel photography uh, right. and, tra- and travel filmmaking. How, how do you find an, like, do you find there's an audience for that or do you make that for yourself? Like when you do that? When I do that, it is more for myself and it's just creating that sense of awe and wonderment that like I can look at and be inspired by. Cause again, I feel like, I feel like if I can be inspired by that, there are probably a lot of people that are inspired by the same thing. And so a lot of this stuff, I feel like in travel filmmaking, people say it's oversaturated, but I try not to let that stop me from being creative in the way that I want to be, because at the end of the day, this, this should be an outlet and like a way to express yourself. Yeah. And so I just, I just try to just do it. I try not to think too much yeah. about it. Yeah. I, I feel like in the past, I've tried to think about like whether there's an audience for things or not. It, it pigeonholed me a little bit into where my creativity could go and it didn't allow me to just do the things that I wanted to do. For sure. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I'm looking at, like, I've got your Instagram page up here and, and scrolling through, um, which, which tab I'm on here. I think I'm on the videos, but vi- your vid- your posts, your videos and your reels that I scroll through, um, you definitely have a unique sort of flavor. There's a style about your work. Um, oh, I appreciate that. that. I think if if somebody were to watch enough of your work, they would they would see it and go, "Oh, that's Patrick Warpath." Like they would know wow. that, it's, that it's your work. I'm looking at it, yeah. and wow. I, I definitely see you've you've got a style. And there are so many creators, my, myself included. I think I could take a thousand pictures and put them out there, and nobody would know it was mine. But with you, I'm looking at that, and uh, I, I think my problem is I try and mimic other photographers like i see something and i go i like that and i try and recreate right. it as you you have your own voice you have your own wow style. And I, I definitely think anybody that's coming to you for your work on, on especially through your instagram channel right. uh, it's because they like what they see from your style and that's what they want for their brand image so wow uh, i think I think when when you talk uh, we t- we talked a few minutes ago about what happens if that platform goes away right you're you're positioning yourself to protect yourself from that because people will see your whether it's a print uh, a print ad or whether it's a, a commercial media spot or something like that and they'll right. another company will see that and go I like that I like the way that looks and they'll contact so say for example wow. you were with brand X and you did a, a video for them brand right. X does video and then brand c goes oh i like that they're calling brand x to go who did that video we want him uh so right. i i i think you're positioning yourself well for that and and that's me wow. as i'm not in the business but if it was me in the business and i saw your work and that's the flavor i wanted i'd i'd find out who did it right. i really appreciate that i don't i don't think you know how much that means to hear that because I feel like as a creator, like we always want to have like this type of impact on people and to know that we have a specific style. And so for you to say that, that means a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. You <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, anybody who's listening, uh, find Patrick on uh, wow. Instagram, find him on, on YouTube. We'll put the links below um, in the show. But you, you got to see his work. You, you just have to, okay. especially if you're on Spotify, you, you can't go and see it, but uh, yeah. we'll share the links and uh, yeah, go check it out. It's worth looking. Well, I really appreciate that. Wow. This Thank is why you. I wanted you to be a part of the show, Patrick, because you, I mean, you've got the talent, you've got the the drive, but <clears throat> what really gets me is how mentally proactive you are. And wow. what I mean by that is you see the potential of being unhappy in something and you shift your, your viewpoint, you shift how you do things. Uh, and, and that makes your work better for it, you know? So yeah. I think that's so important to be self-aware in that way that uh, right. you have to understand what works for you and what doesn't. Um, there's a lot of people who take the work no matter what, whether they have to or not, or, or whether right. uh, they like it or not. And unfortunately, these are the people that do get the burnout on a more permanent basis. You know, it's, right. it's one thing to have burnout and disappear for a little while, come back and be invigorated. It's another right. thing to have burnout and be like, screw this i'm done yeah can't do it anymore and when you when you take it too far but without being that you know i'm just coming up mentally proactive uh a way of thinking um, right i think that that's a real problem that people can run into yeah yeah no i i totally agree with what you're saying i it's scary though it's scary to to try to step away for a little bit um but again with what you're saying i think it's scarier to to just stop forever especially if it's something that you love i feel like the stakes are too high and the way I look at it is like, if I'm going to constantly burn out, is this how I want to spend the rest of my life? Especially if this is something I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And so like, 
I know that's not something I want to be doing. I know that mentally it's probably not good for me. So it, it just seemed worth it. It seemed like the only way to go was to find a way to, to kind of fix that issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go back to something that Mark and I were talking about before you yeah, came into the chat. Yeah. Um, he said, you could tell that you're young because in the notes <laughs> that you gave us, you said, uh, aside from filmmaking, photography, passionate about dance, uh, no, wait, that wasn't it. Where is it? The small camera. Yeah. yeah. Your parent, your dad actually bought you a small Sony camcorder uh, yeah. back then. And of course, yeah. Mark and I, back then, the camcorders were like shoulder rigs <laughs> or two piece systems where the separate recorder and the handheld handheld right, camcorder. Right. Um, yeah. So Love first that. off, how old are you? I'm 26. I'm turning 27 in August. Awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the age to be where you're at. You're in, you're, that's a, that's, you're in a good space that the technology is in your favor. <laughs> yeah, it's scary, though, because things are changing so fast. I have to make sure I keep up and continue learning everything, especially with the social media platforms. There's now the metaverse, everything like I, if I don't keep up, then, you know, jobs are taken and you just yeah. feel lost. And I just I just can't do that. That's oh, actually right. where I was going with with the whole point is, you know, being at your age, at my age right now, like I've got 15, 20 years before retirement or so. Right. Um, and, and within that period of time, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of change, but having been raised in the tech world and, you know, audio video kind of thing, I think I'm, I'm okay, but you're at a point now where you've got this 50 year, uh, gap ahead of you where you're going to be working. I know, I'm sorry, (laughs) but you've got like this, this, this journey ahead of you with the technology and with all the things that are coming out. Um, I, I would be very not scared for it, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimidated? Intimidated. Yes. Yeah. Intimidated. Exactly. Um, how do you feel about all this? Like, are you confident in the, in the, in the ability, in your ability to grow with the tech and to, to see the growing tech and, and to use that to your advantage? Or does that some, is that something that intimidates you? Yeah. It, honestly, it's something that intimidates me because I've been told by a lot of friends that my mindset can be a little traditional sometimes. And no, so knowing that I want to try my best to make sure that I'm not kind of sitting in that, in that mindset, because if things are changing, you either grow or you fall behind. And for me, like being so young in this space, I know there's still so much time for me to, to grow or not to grow. And obviously the idea is that, you know, growing would probably be ideal. So it's intimidating because I know that there's going to be so many changes and with new tech means you need to buy more stuff. Um, it's expensive to think about and it's it's a lot to learn. And if I'm trying to grow in one aspect of the industry, now I got to spend more time looking into another aspect of the industry that might not even be totally proven yet. And so it's it's kind of difficult to know which way to go and to like to know where I should put my attention. Um, but I think the way that I'm trying to go about it is to surround myself with people who might be looking into that so that they're more advanced into that and just try to ask them questions. I'll try to listen to podcasts to see where people are taking it. Because at this point, I still know very little about NFTs. I know I know a certain a certain amount from um, podcasts and friends, but I still don't know enough to to be able to you know buy my first NFT or anything like that, or even create an NFT. Like I don't know enough about that. So definitely trying to That's surround myself with people. The big part, yeah, yeah, NFTs yeah. and that tech. We we've talked about a few times on our show. Yeah. Um, it is scary. A friend of mine, Navi, is somebody who's quite into doing NFTs and. She does quite a bit of uh, sales and purchases and stuff like that. And every time she talks to me about it, I'm just like, "You you buy a picture of a little gorilla with a with a banana? Like what what is that? Right. How could how could that make you money? But it, it yeah. does. Right. So knowing that yeah. kind of stuff really is important for sure. And I can right. see how that would definitely uh, be involved in the life of a creator in the next coming years for sure. It makes you yeah. NFTs is what it makes you, and then you turn that into money, which is weird. Like the whole crypto thing to me is just bizarro. Like if if I hire you to to shoot a commercial for my company, right? I pay you in dollar bills, right? <laughs> or or loonies. We're in Canada. I pay you. <laughs> I I interest for you that money. You can go to a bank machine. You can take that money. That money came from a mint. It was printed somewhere. It's all legal tender. It's tangible. When, when you, tangible, right? And then right. All of a sudden, we've got this cryptocurrency 
Where did it come from? And and I mean, I'm sure there's a video out there that explains it. I've not found it yet. And I sort of, I go cross-eyed reading them and I'm right. fairly tech savvy. And I get there and I'm like, I just, to me, it looks like the bottom's going to fall out of the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a chicken investor. I really right. am. I always pick the safe route, which is right. why I'm not a millionaire, but I, I, it scares me. NFTs, cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm just old. There's, I don't know. There's so much. There are so many different applications for NFTs too, though, because I feel like as artists, we can look at it in a way to like display our art. But what I've been seeing a lot of people do is create communities out of NFTs. And the NFT isn't as much about the art as it is about what you get with owning the art. So being yeah. able to have exclusive, um, exclusive access into events or something yeah. like Things like that, I feel like that's what makes it very popular right now. But I've heard that it's still pretty early for what it is, and so like I think that makes it more intimidating too. Yeah, because it, um, could, it could give way to the next big thing, right? And if these take off enough, suddenly it's and I'm going to age myself here. Suddenly it's laser discs that right. are big, but then all of a sudden DVDs came out and laser discs done. You know, right. and you can still that's buy my it. era. Yeah, that, that's what I'm used to. That tech coming in disappearing. Yeah. yeah, you have to Google laser discs. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I know what a laser disc is. God, I'm old. Oh. I know what a floppy disc is. Yeah. So yeah, laser discs. Discs were. It was a large. You know, you know, obviously they're coming back. So vinyl records. So it it was the size of a vinyl record, but it was right. a plastic case, and the laser disc was housed inside it. You slid the whole case into the player. It extracted the disc, and then you slid the empty case out. And when the movie was over, you went through the process. So the disc was housed there, but you never actually saw the disc. It stayed in the case, in and out. I don't remember that? I remember the remember? disc being those big silver albums. They looked like yeah, they, actual the albums. Original, the original ones were. It looked like a big DVD. I have a dog. Um, it looked like a big DVD that went into your player, and and it extracted it. It was just crazy. My a friend of mine when I was a kid had one. His his dad bought it. I remember watching Halloween season of the Witch on. Wow. See, that's the thing about having um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, tenure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Life tenure. Um, yeah, I've seen uh, eight, eight track, I've seen cassette, I've seen records, <laughs> I've seen reel to reels, uh, 78 albums, 33 and 45 albums. Um, like all of this tech has gone, and then the beta, and then the eight millimeter, and then the VHS and the VHSC, and the, like one thing after the other, tech just changes and changes and changes how we record, how we work with stuff. Uh, the life of a filmmaker today is so much better than when right. I first started selling audio video in the 90s because, I mean, then to add a title to something, like here I am sitting on a video screen with my name on there and your name right. on there and Mark's name on there. And this is something that we just signed into a room and, it, and it's done. When I first right. started selling video, you had to buy a character generator for $750. That was like a little keyboard that you would type out the words to something and then it would scroll across your screen or you know, you can program and that's about it. And that was $750 just to add the words to a screen. Then you bought a second generator for doing this or that. And then mixing was a whole chore. Digital changed everything. So the next step in digital is, is very daunting. And, it, and I hope it's something that uh, people are able to latch onto and, and use creatively. It always will be, I'm sure it's just getting easier and easier yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, but having that idea is the biggest challenge. And that's where I think, uh, I've had my biggest challenge is coming up with the creative ideas to do something that's that people want to see and want to buy or want to uh, be a part of. So for you to have that creativity and to be making a career out of it, uh, kudos to you, my friend. Well Thank done. It's not an that. easy line of work to be in and uh, yeah. you're doing well. So keep it up. Congratulations. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Mark, do you have any questions before we get to our three questions of the I day? I don't. I just. I'm laughing that you brought up eight tracks. I'm just dying inside. I don't actually have any eight tracks, but I, I have a car in the garage that originally came with an eight track player in it. So. Oh right on. Um, it's it's Patrick, all. Do you know what an eight track is? I have no idea what an eight track is. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to so, Google it. You'll have to Google it. Eight track <laughs> is. It's about that big. Yeah. It's a it's a cassette that was about that big, huge, and you'd stick it into a player like an audio cassette. Uh, but it was a magnetic tape media. And it was back in the 70s, I guess, 70s, 80s. Yeah, died 80s. out in the early. And then yeah. it died out then. Uh, but I remember traveling cross-country in my father's van going from Montreal to California with uh, Eagles Hotel California, um, yeah. 
Elton John, Honky Tonk, Cafe. Uh, and then we were just listening to those same eight tracks the entire trip from Montreal yeah. to California. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ingrained oh. in my memory. The fun part about those is like the, 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 the next generation was the cassette tape. So do you know what a cassette right. tape is? You, I do know what a cassette tape is. So yeah. the cassette tape, <laughs> you could fast forward through it. With an eight track, you couldn't. You couldn't just flip songs. It was right. you were at a spot in the thing. The only thing you could do is change tracks. So you could move from track oh. to track, and it was wherever you were in that song, that's where you were. So you could you could if you wanted to rehear the song, you had to switch to the track that was rewinding the tape the other way. Listen right. to a song and then flip it back so it would go back. Have through. the tape go back so you can, yeah. You couldn't just yeah. rewind wow. it. There's a separate button for each track. So you just press the next button and it'll go to the next track. And, ah, tech has wow. changed. Right. In my lifetime, it's amazing how fast yeah. tech has changed. And I'm just so right. happy that yeah. you have the ability in this day and age to just create. And if you can think it, you've got the tools to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that creativity is is paramount. So yeah. keep I mean, it up. Yeah. Awesome. No, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Okay, so let's get to our questions for you. One question you already know the answer to because you gave us the answer. So let's start with that one. Uh, we issue a challenge or we ask our guests to issue a challenge for our viewers. Um, right. I'm still hoping that maybe one day some people will actually do our challenges and share them with us. <laughs> but I think in practice, it's still good to. Yeah, and I did your challenge already, Patrick, actually. Uh, today, oh, did you? I did the challenge that you issued. Yeah. So. I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to let you discuss if you can remember the challenge that you issued. Uh, maybe you can I'm lay that to, out for our viewers. I'm going to have to pull it up right now because uh, I actually forgot the, the challenge that I, that I, I, I can read it so for you. Yeah, this week we'd like to challenge the audience to create a video, a photo video owning an insecurity they may have to take that sense Ooh. of fear and turn it into something that can give them some power. I love that. And yeah, this morning, okay. Um, this morning I was rehashing the whole Will Smith situation. I I'm sorry to bring it up again, but it really impacted me because I, I I'm I'm anti-bully. Right. I am um, somebody who's always been very pro Will Smith, and to right. see him bully up like that was like it was shocking to me. It was traumatic to me to see that. So right. I kind of had a, a a moment of this insecurity and I wrote a whole poem about what I was going through and the whole thing. Um, and I, I really took your challenge to heart. Uh, and wow. I, I think I'm not going to read it because, you know, right, taking right. the challenge and actually revealing the challenge to the public is two different things. Yeah. But, uh, you can send it to me later. I'd love to, I'd love to read it. Yeah. I, 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 can, I, can, <laughs> I appreciate it. it. It was, it was pretty, uh, I find that when I'm writing something, it's always very from a dark place and I'm always taking that anger and that frustration and putting it out there and it helped. Right. It really did help. I, I came away wow. from that with a lot less tears in my face. So Love yeah, it, was, yeah. it definitely helped me out. So uh, that whole point of um, creating a photo or video, owning an insecurity, that's, that's impressive. That's, that's hard to do. Um, yeah. Take that sense of fear and turn it into something that can give them power. Uh, it definitely worked for me, and I really hope our viewers can can do something like that. You know, yeah. Take your creativity and, and own some insecurity that you have. So, yeah. Have you done that yourself, Patrick? Well, you I have. I've got three examples right well, I mean, here. I guess, five yeah, ways to overcome perfectionism, right? Yeah. Like you've got you've yeah, got some things do. that you've at least in the title. I mean, maybe I'll I'll watch right. them a little deeper and see if you actually did that. Hopefully, I did. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like, but I feel like, like as far as as far as these things have like go down, um, I'm a very expressive person, and so when it's something that I'm facing, even if it's a negative thing, um, I try to go for things head on, and so insecurities suck, and a lot of people like to keep them hidden. But I feel like the only way to really overcome them is to is to kind of confront them. And so I feel like I feel like that's that's been the only way that I've been able to kind of grow as a person, grow past these insecurities instead of letting them define me. And I feel like it's an ongoing process. We're always going to have something we're insecure about, or we're going to have some level of insecurity towards something. But if we can control that instead of letting that control us, I feel like we're a step ahead, you know. And I think giving yourself the challenge to do it is also giving yourself the practice of doing it, because right. it's not easy to just overcome insecurities. It's just not. 
So to write them down and to get them out like that, I think is a really good practice. Great yeah. challenge. Yeah. And, and to own an insecurity or a fear, um, to, to own it and to write about it and to embrace it takes away that insecurity or that fear's power over you. So at you least write, for the moment, you can you can use that to to grow as an individual and and get over that and, and continue to practice and and get over that insecurity or fear. Right. That's great. That's great. They because they only have power if we yeah. give it to them. Right? So that's right. Right. Mind is a very strong thing. And uh, it, it's the only thing that could, that we can control, and or sometimes control, yeah. or, or so, can we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. All right. No, for sure. I mean, it gives you an excuse to kind of like empower yourself with that insecurity too, because now you get to create something out of it, like create something beautiful out of something that you felt was dark. So yeah, lemonade. Uh, I, I just thought it was a cool opportunity. Absolutely. I love it. Great yeah. challenge. Thank Great. you for that. Yeah. No, thank you. Next question. Thank you. Next question of the three questions that we have at the end of the show is what is your tool of the trade? What is it that you can fall back on and use um, for any job that you do or every day that you're thinking right. of being creative? What tool of the trade do you think you would fall back on? It doesn't have to be something physical. It could be a, a, a concept of something. But have you given any thought right. to that? Like what do you fall back on as your tool of the trade? Um, something to – is it something to keep me inspired or something to help me create or – the, th the tool that you find you use most often when you're trying to create. Right. Um, the biggest thing that I default to when I try to create, I don't know if this answers the questions, hopefully it does. Um, the thing that I default to most of the time when I'm trying to create is just visualization. So I'll, I'll kind of close my eyes and I'll just try to imagine like images based on like a feeling or based on something that's going on in my life. Um, I'll think about what, I'm feeling what I want other people to feel and I'll try to see what that looks like. I'll try to see what that means and try to try to relate that in a way that is effective at conveying that message. So that's a big thing that I do. Um, that's like, that's something that I do like not even for creating, but also to again, coping and stuff as well. Like I'll, I'll close my eyes and I'll kind of see myself in like a room and I'll just, you know, like Tony Stark has like all the stuff floating around and like the digital, the digital. Yeah, I'll have that in my mind, but I'll be like, it'll be images of like things that make me feel a certain way. And I'll try to pull from there and like, yeah. Love it. Very cool. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you. That's really great. That, that's just, again, I mean, it goes back to being very mentally proactive. You use your mind in ways that I think are, are impressive. Uh, wow. Not you. a lot of people can sit and visualize uh, tools that they need or visualize um, answers to the questions or, or, or things that they need to draw from to get past or to create. So um, the fact that you can put it to that level is pretty awesome. Um, I'm always, the, the term pre-visualization is something that came yeah. from Ansel Adams, you know, pre-visualize okay. about an image and think before you shoot. And I talk about that a lot when I'm teaching photography, yeah. uh, instead of just grabbing a camera and changing settings and, and trying to see stuff, Put it down and think. Even Lori Novak last week, she said her challenge is to, or just to, you know, put your camera down and think for thirty minutes and and right. be in the space that you're in. So yeah. that visualization is a super powerful tool that I don't think people think of enough as a tool that they could use. So Absolutely, yeah. I think it's funny too. Right. Sometimes when I'm talking, I'll be like looking around, and I feel like it's the same thing with that. Like I even use this when I was taking exams back then. I would study and then. I'd be writing an exam and the person next to me would be like, what is this guy doing? And I'd just be like this, staring off in this space. And I'm literally just imagining like all these things. And it's just. Oh, you went mute. Yeah. Nice. Sorry. How's it now? Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So it's just strange to see other people witness that going on. I even noticed in the beginning, especially, I kind of look around a lot when I speak. So that's probably why. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Using your brain, your big brain. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And the last question we have for you is just a fun question. Uh, yeah. What's your jam? What song do you never skip past? You give it a five star. You just absolutely love. Just makes you feel good in life. Yeah, I really love um, ASAP Rocky as an artist. So songs like Goldie or Peso, they just they just amp me up a lot. They they make me feel a certain way. They make me feel like a boss, but that I don't take myself too seriously. And so. I would, I would say those are the songs. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Nice. I love asking that question because yeah. I mean, 
as a as a musician, I played the drums back in the day. As yeah. a music lover, I find that, and as somebody who's of tenure, uh, <laughs> I'm right. stuck listening to the same kind of music all over and over and over again. And and, and by asking this question, I'm I'm opening up my music to yeah. so many great people. I love it. Right. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, all right yeah, no, um mark do you have any other questions you'd like to talk to patrick about before we say goodbye no uh i'm good i just want to say thanks again patrick for being on uh on the show on the podcast and uh it's been great talking to you getting to know you a little bit uh and uh, i look forward to uh perusing your library of work on youtube and on instagram so uh yeah that's awesome thank you so much yeah yeah honestly it's yeah, absolutely nice to be on this yeah so thank you the questions were great they got me thinking too uh i'm just yeah i'm really grateful for the opportunity that you guys gave me to to be on this and to just share um what goes on in my mind so thank you for that perfect oh, you're welcome you're welcome it's been fun um and that's yeah. it for us tonight i just want to remind everybody who's been watching us please subscribe to our channel if you like it click a like uh share this with some people that you think may be interested we have a great time doing this podcast and yep. it's really helped our mental health a lot and even just watching back some of the past episodes is helpful at times so I hope it's been helpful for our viewers as well. If you have any questions, if you have any suggestions on people that you think that we should uh, bring on as guests, let us know. Otherwise, take care. We'll see you all next week. Take care.